You're listening to a message from South Hills Church in Burbank, California. For more information about South Hills, check out SouthHillsBurbank.com. Christmas. It's good to see you. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, my name is Dave Stewart. I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, we are so honored and grateful that you would choose to spend part of your Christmas Eve's Eve here. And so, um, I know, it's, just, it's what it is. Uh, Christmas is this beautiful time of year that grabs a hold of all of our wonder. It's a time of the year that grabs a hold of our attention. And no matter what you believe, no matter what you think about Christmas, you can't stop Christmas. You might think of Christmas as just another religious holiday. You might consider Christmas as just a, a thing that someone created to make more money in a system of people buying things. You might view Christmas as... You know what it what it was meant to be in, in scripture. You might view Christmas as just something and ignore it. But whatever your view of Christmas is, you can't stop it. And there's something special that happens around Christmas. It, it grabs a hold of all of our attention. It grabs a hold of all of our wonder. There's nothing like the look in a child's eyes when they look at a tree filled with gifts underneath of just wonder, of amazement, of excitement. I want to ask you a question that is going to help frame the next 10 minutes or so of what we are going to talk about. And the question is very simple. And I would love for you to think about this question. What do you wonder about? What is it that you still wonder about? What is the thing that still grabs your attention? What is the thing that still grips your interest? What is the thing that you just haven't quite figured out yet that you still wonder about? I, I think about this oftentimes when I, I think of my grandmother. I have one living grandparent left, and my grandma was born December 3rd, 1927. And when I think about my grandma, I try to think of how old she is. And so I always think of she's, you know, 70 and then the three and then plus the 18 or something. And then I just realized she's old. Okay. She's just, my grandma's old and she lives in Northern California and I love my grandma. But sometimes I think about this. What does my grandma still wonder about? I mean, all the things that she has seen in her life that maybe she at one point wondered, thought that it was impossible. And then suddenly it happened. I mean, just, just consider this for a moment. In her lifetime, Ford transitioned from the Model T to the Model A. Like, the Model A Ford was the car on the production line when my grandmother was born. She saw the end of the silent movie era. She was alive when silent movies were still all the rage. She was alive when the first non-stop solo flight from New York City landed in Paris over the Atlantic. 
She was alive when Mount Rushmore was being built and when it was finished. She was alive when that happened. She was alive when CBS was founded and created. She was alive when the first transatlantic telephone call took place. Something that you and I take total, totally for granted. We don't think about how far our phones can reach anymore. And so in her lifetime, she saw so much wonder that I have to pause sometimes and just think, what holds my grandmother's wonder still? What does she wonder about? Because when you see something actually happen that you've always wondered, you begin to wonder about new things. But what grabs a hold of your wonder? today. No matter what reason you're here, no matter what you believe, whether or not you're a Christian or a Christ follower, or you're a theist, or you would consider yourself an atheist, we all wonder. There are still things that grab our attention and grab our sense of wonder. And I've realized over time that we often view wonder through a certain framework. That we all have a certain lens that we see life through. That there's a framework that we see. You see, the reason we wonder is because our frame of reference doesn't give us the full view. Now just think about this for a moment. I have a photo frame of a picture on my wedding day. This was, this is Carrie and I. And I've been oftentimes reminded that we've been married for 20 years. Not 19, just in case you were wondering that very same thing. We're young. My wife looks the same. She hasn't aged in 20 years. I've changed. All right? I have hair in this photo. Okay? If you really want to see it, you always have wondered to yourself, what does Pastor Dave look like? Not that good. Okay? I'll just be honest. I, we've changed. But what you don't know is that this photo was taken in the backyard of kind of a, a rundown church building, our fellowship hall. It was on a, a gross little playground that you can't see, but there's just dirt at our feet, a little bit of mulch spread around. There's a fence behind us that's falling apart, and there quite possibly is the grossest little pond that you've ever seen in your life directly behind us. So you don't see that because it's not in the frame. But if you could see outside of the framework of this picture, you would see that there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more to still see. And what I've realized in life, that there's oftentimes something that is there that you and I simply can't see yet. It would help us to make sense of everything. If we could just see what it was. If we could see it now. But we can't see it yet. And there's probably a lot of reasons why you and I can't see certain things. I think part of the reason is that we have a sense, a certain framework that we view everything through. So the question is, if we have a framework that we see everything through, where does that framework come from? Where did it begin? I think for some of us in this room, maybe it began like mine did. I was brought up in a, a home that went to church. I was literally born under a pew, I think. I don't even know... If I ever did not go to church in my life. I can't remember a time that I didn't. And maybe you were brought up in that type of system. And 
You were kind of born into a framework. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you weren't around really any religious activity while you were young. And so there was no sense of God or Jesus or church or anything really for you. Maybe you had a a heavy behavioral framework that if you could just do life right, if you could just be good enough, and you could make your good outweigh your bad, you'd be fine. Maybe your framework came from a system where everything was just kind of loose, and you just kind of went with whatever felt right at the moment. Maybe it came from karma and everything happens for a reason. Or maybe it came from a sense of fate that everything happens without a reason. But whatever it is, you and I both were born and were raised with a sense of a framework. The way we view life, the way we view everything around us. And at some point in our lives, what happened to you, what happened to me, was that I began to wander away from that framework. I left it. You left it. Because that framework no longer fit our lives. And so when we wonder, we oftentimes will begin to wander because wonder leads to wonder. See, we see things that we don't, we can't explain them, so we reframe them in our minds. We reframe them with some type of framework of viewing life. Viewing religion, viewing God, or the lack of. And when we lose our sense of wonder, we begin to wander. It doesn't have to be that way, but oftentimes it is. And when we wander, we try to reframe everything in our lives, our behaviors, our thought processes, everything around whatever it is that we're wandering towards. You probably don't need me to tell you this, but I will anyway. We usually don't wander in the right directions. You know this. I know this about me. That in my seasons of life and in times in my own life of of losing my sense of wonder and beginning to wander away from what I've once thought true, that I don't tend to wander in the best of places. So this morning, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider something for the next few moments. What if you allowed yourself to return? What if you allowed yourself to reframe everything? What if you allowed yourself this morning to come back to something that maybe once in your life you walked away from, you ran from? What if you simply allowed your wonder this morning to be restored. Now for some of you, I just want to be honest. I don't blame you for leaving. I don't blame you for walking away. I don't blame you at all for running away. Because what your framework was built on, it didn't work for you. It didn't fit your life anymore. It didn't really change anything for you. And why commit yourself to a certain way of viewing the world if it no longer works? But what if your frame of reference, what if your frame of reference was simply wrong? What if it was just incorrect? What if it was framed around the wrong thing? 
And so the question for you this morning and just to think about for the next few minutes is what if you started to wonder again? What if this morning you allowed yourself to begin to wonder? What if today you allowed something to grab a hold of all of the wonder left in you? See, my way and your way of thinking, of knowing, of seeing the world and understanding things is so limited. It's limited like a picture frame, limits our view of a picture. So this morning, let me show you something. Let me show you something that may help you reframe and understand or to bring about another sense of wonder in your life. Now, it's probably something that you don't know. And I can't blame you for not knowing because no one has probably ever told you this before. And so if I can be the first one to tell you, I would love to be. But for the next few minutes, I want to invite you to just consider something. I want to invite you to consider inviting Jesus back into your framework. Or into your framework for the first time ever. Not the one that you grew up with. Not the one that your parents drug you to. Not the one that your grandma made you go and check out. Not the one that you left in college. Not the one that didn't fit your life anymore, but to something new. I want to invite you to just consider allowing Jesus back into your framework. You see, the Bible is split into two parts, and you may or may not know this. There's two parts. There's two stories in, in the Bible. There's two testaments. There's an Old Testament. That's our, our Jewish scriptures. That's a history of the Jewish people and God. And then there's the New Testament. That's the new version. That's the part with Jesus. That's the Gospels and all the letters of Paul and some of the other apostles. And so in the Gospels or in the New Testament, you have these four stories of Jesus written by four different men. Most of them were eyewitness accounts. They're historical authors. Writing for you and I the best version of the life of Jesus possible. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And later in the New Testament, we come across this book. We come across a book that is a historically accurate writing. But we come across a book that really has an unknown author. We don't necessarily know who wrote this. There's assumptions of who wrote it. There's a writing style that some believe they can figure out who wrote it because of. But... Honestly, we don't know who wrote it. We don't know if it was a he or a she. But what we know is that the writer of this book is writing to a certain group of people. He's, they're writing to a, a Jewish group of Christians, early Christians, who just started trying to figure out who Jesus was and reframe their whole lives around Jesus. And so the author is going to write to this group of people and kind of in a writing of encouragement. Wanting them to understand some things and trying to figure some things out. And so there's a lot of, of understanding. There's a lot of really good, deep thought in this letter. But the letter actually reads like a sermon. If you were to read through this entire letter, this entire book, you, would, you, would under, you could read it almost like somebody is speaking to you, like I'm speaking to you. There's some amazing things in there. But one of the sections I want to focus in on this morning... Let me just set you up in all honesty. It's not very Christmassy. And so before you become completely disappointed, let me read it to you. 
The book is Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. And the author of Hebrews is going to write something to try to help the reader. The reader then and the reader now understand something about Jesus. So check this out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What is he saying? Verse 1, the author is saying, look, that there's a path for you and I. There is, a, there is a, a lane in which you and I are meant to run on. That's our, our life's purpose, our life's mission. It's everything that our life was supposed to be. But as we move through life, there are things that creep up and entangle us. There's things that grab a hold of our ankles and our feet. And there's little things in the pathway that we have to avoid. And so there's stuff that comes along and tries to trip us up and keep us from running the way we ought to run. So the author says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out before us. And then it's, the author says something really incredible in verse 2. How should we run? We should run by fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer, the beginner, and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That as we run this race of life, that there's one constant. There is one thing that we should allow into our framework that gives us a sense of perspective. That, that, that really readjusts the entire framework, and that is Jesus. That we fix our eyes on Jesus. And I love the mental picture of this next line because the, the mental picture here is that Jesus does exactly what he was meant to do. He comes to this earth in the form of a baby at Christmas and he lives his life and he dies on a cross as a man and he, and he, and he does this whole thing, scorning its shame, just so he can complete his race and sit down at the right hand of the Father, much like you sit down in the most comfortable chair possible at the end of Thanksgiving. Like you're a champion. Like you won something that day. And all you won was gluttony. You just ate yourself into oblivion. And, and the, now you think somehow you've earned the right to just sit for the rest of the day. Like, okay, that's not Jesus. Jesus didn't eat something incredible. He completed something that God gave to him. But I imagine him sitting down at the right hand of God. Like he accomplished something. Like he was a victor of something. And then the author says something very intriguing to me in the next verse. The author says, consider him. Notice what the author doesn't say. The author doesn't say, you have to believe this. The author doesn't say, you must do this. The author doesn't say, you have to. You've got to. Or else. The author simply says, consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Another word for losing heart is losing faith. So consider. Consider Jesus who went through all of this 
so that you and I wouldn't have to lose our faith. We wouldn't have to run away from our framework. We wouldn't have to readjust our framework. We wouldn't have to quit. See, God sent you and I someone to our side of the frame to give us a better perspective. And in the person of Jesus, God was allowing you and I to reframe everything. To reframe the way we see everything in life. Every decision. Every failure. Every up and every down. So God sent us his son. Emmanuel. To be God with us. Not God away from us. Not God distant from us. But God with us. The gospel writer Matthew records it this way. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 he says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That God sent his son to be with us. The representation of God to humanity. A, a God in which you and I can relate to. A God that we can actually know. A God that you and I can trust. A God that can reframe everything for us. So once upon a time, you were so full of wonder. You wondered about everything. And along your journey of life, you wandered. You walked away. You left it behind. So let me give you something this morning to ponder. What if your faith, what if your hope, what if your belief, what is it fastened to? What is it connected to? What is it fixed on? If you were just to think about yourself this morning, just for a moment, what is your faith connected to? What is your hope attached to? What is your belief system fixed on? Let me just be honest. If it's fixed to the church, the church will fail you. If it's fixed to some version of Christianity that you were raised under that no longer fits your life now, you've already realized that it doesn't fit you. If your faith or your hope or your belief is fixed into something that is in the Old Testament that we just have to try to live out the best way possible, but nobody can, it'll fail you. If it's fixed to a person, a leader within the church, can I just tell you that people will fail you? And if somehow your belief system, your, your faith system, you, you walked away from it because you believe that somehow a good God could not allow bad things to happen to good people. Let me just remind you that that's not in the Bible anywhere. And a matter of fact, it's not true because God allowed the worst thing to happen to the best person. And if he would send his own son into this world as a child, to be raised, to become a man that would die on a cross for our sins. 
then he's not a God that's trying to keep you and I from experiencing bad things in life. He wants to guide us through those experiences. He wants us to fix our eyes on him. So if you've walked away, if you've wondered, if you lost your wonder somewhere along the way, more than likely it happened because it was never fixed on Jesus in the first place. I know that's true for me. So this morning, I want to invite you to consider, like the author of Hebrews did. I want to invite you to consider two things. Number one, I want to invite you to consider giving Jesus a chance this Christmas. Now, what if you've just reframed everything in the wrong way? What if you reframed around the wrong thought or the wrong belief, the wrong system? So you're viewing life from just an obscured perspective. What if this Christmas you reframed it? You fixed your eyes on Jesus and you gave Jesus a chance. Maybe the first chance. Maybe the 10th chance. Whichever chance it is. I invite you to consider that. The second thing I want to invite you to consider is to consider wandering back here next weekend. We're going to talk about the fourth candle of the Advent season, the love candle. And I think that if you're in a place where you're trying to figure some things out, I want you to join us next weekend. As we talk about love probably in a way that you've never thought about it before. See, because in the days of Caesar Augustus, the son of the divine Julius, God sent his son to be the light of the world, to stand with us, so we wouldn't have to wonder where we stood with him. That is the purpose of Christmas. It's God coming to be with us, sending his son to be the light of the world so that you and I and all of our wandering, we would never have to wonder where we stand with God. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the beginner and the perfecter of our faith, we can move through any trial, any trouble in life. You see, that's the one thing that we will never, never have to wonder about. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sense of wonder that you give to us. We thank you that today, in this short time that we have together, that we can reframe our view, our thinking. And God, I pray that this Christmas would be different for us. 
that in all the ups and all the downs that we've experienced over this past year, that many of us have experienced them because we've had our eyes fixed on the wrong thing. That maybe we ran away from a system, a religious system that no longer worked for us. It no longer fit us because it was the framework of our childhood. And it fell apart as, we, as life became more and more complex. I pray that today, that this Christmas, that we would fix our eyes on you. That you would restore a sense of wonder in us. That how could a God love me that much? How could a God do something so great for me when I've done nothing good for him? God, that is what we wonder about. So would you restore us? Would you bring us back to that place? For those in this room that have never made that decision to say yes to you, or maybe they once did a long time ago, but they haven't quite been living their life like you're even in the frame. God, would you restore them back to you? God, would you do this for us? In your name. Amen. Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged by it. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated on all that's happening at South Hills Burbank.